You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard Show, the festive edition. I'll be your <laughs> I'll be your host, Ali. You can follow me on Twitter at FF Dynasty Grill. With me as always is my amazing co-host Kev. You can follow on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. How are you doing tonight, Kev? Ali, I'm doing very well. Thank you. I've had a cracking weekend, a Christmas cracking weekend, actually. Um hey. I was in I had four games this weekend, and if if everything goes as it should tonight, I'll have won all four, which is very lucky considering some of the scores I've seen this weekend, plenty of injuries, uh, plenty of COVID stuff as well, Eckler, Kelsey, yeah. that sort of thing. So it's, yeah, I feel very lucky to have, uh, fingers crossed, advancing all four. But yeah, just uh, hoping that luck continues. And uh, I've got to say, the books have crushed me. Uh, I've got teams with, I've got a team with Fournette and Godwin on. And oh, it's, it's, it's carnage. It's a team that's on a bye this week, so I'm not looking forward to next week's game in that league. But, but yeah, how about yourself, mate? Well, did we have to mention the Bucks so early into the show? <laughs> I was all pepped up, ready for the show, and then you have to bring me down like that. But, but no, um, you can add Tyreek Hill to the COVID list as well. Just been, just been announced. This, it's just oh, another what? name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be another wild show next week. But, um. But yeah, is um, talking of COVID, we're without our other amazing co-host Matt again this week. He's still still recovering from the effects. He's still partying from his his time in the FFCC, doing well in the Warrior Bowl. So hopefully he'll be back with us next week. But yeah, let's get better soon, back Matt again. Um, but yeah, we're going to crack on uh, tonight's show. We're going to be recapping Week 15 of the NFL season. It's the start of the fantasy playoffs for a lot of you. Um, We'll be highlighting some of the key players and talking points from this week's action and then analysing them from a, a dynasty perspective. So, Kev, you're up. Um, who do you want to talk about? I mean, looking back at last week, we couldn't start with anybody else other than Travis Kelsey. Um, what a performance on Thursday night football against the, the Chargers. The perfect start to week 15 playoff games. You had Zeus throwing a lightning bolt at the Chargers, who were nicknamed the Bolts, which is pretty <laughs> funny. Um, 10 catches under 91 yards and two touchdowns, including that walk-off touchdown in overtime. And he also got tackled just short of another touchdown as well. So 41.1 fantasy points on the week. It's the ninth highest of any player in 2021, and it's the best fantasy game of Kelsey's career as well, which if you think that includes five tight end one seasons on the spin, it's it just outlines what performance it was and what timing it was as well. Obviously, he's now age 32, and it is scaring a lot of folks still. He's tight end five at keep trade cut, which is absolutely laughable public perception of him, especially considering he's tight end two overall this season. And in my eyes, he's tight end three as his absolute floor. Uh, still my tight end one with me playing on that two-year window I've spoke about before. I think you can ar- make an argument for Pitts. He's your tight end one, Ali. Uh, and also, Mark Andrews, he's... Stop catfishing us, and he's proven to be a legit tight end, um, an elite tight end as well. So uh, I'm not having anyone else in that conversation for tight end one, just Pitts, Andrews, and, and Kelsey. Um, we know that Kelsey has been less consistent this season, but look at the Chiefs overall. Mahomes has been inconsistent. Tyreek Gill has. 
there's a perception actually that they've underperformed, but look at QB4, wide receiver two, respectively. It's such a high bar for all the Chiefs and including Kelsey. Um, now, my Titan philosophy is to go high end. Um, guys like Kelsey give you a big advantage. And all of my playoff teams uh, have got a top five tight end. So I really sort of do what I preach. And it's absolutely wounding now that Kelsey's on the COVID list. Week 16's in doubt. Um, obviously, he's going to be on a lot of playoff teams across many leagues for, for most players. Um, but obviously, it's the Dynasty this year. We're going to talk about the big picture. So I just want to get your thoughts on Kelsey. And um, I know you like a good trade scenario, Ali. So, um, yeah, just I'll throw it to you. Your team misses the title this postseason. Uh, you struggle at tight end with guys like Higby and Engram. And the Kelsey owner, he decides to rebuild and make, make him available. What would you pay for him to make that deal, make him that final piece of the puzzle? And that's in a non-tight end premium league. Well, firstly, uh, I wouldn't know the scenario of missing missing the postseason, um, but <laughs> but no, uh, f- for me in this situation, I do love a trade scenario. It, it would have to come down to cost. I know that's a bit of a cop out of an answer, but um, it just it would have to be a reasonable asking price just for this scenario. I mean, if you've missed the playoffs, I think your team is either a not very good and in need of a rebuild yourself, or b probably quite young and you are already rebuilding for the future. So. For me, neither of these scenarios screams out to at least aggressively go after Travis Kelsey. Um, but as you just mentioned, and we've certainly seen this season that the importance to have a top elite tight end, it's absolutely paramount to to launch in a championship run. As you mentioned, all five of your teams are, have got that elite tight end. Um, and I know nearly all of mine have as well that have made the playoffs. Uh, and... <laughs> And they don't have Mark Andrews in, unfortunately. Otherwise, they'd probably be even better. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I think unfortunately in this case here, um, the person trading away Kelsey's is not going to be that interested in Evan Ingram or Tyler Higby. I think they're just a bit too yeah. low on their on their radar. So, so getting a cheaper deal involving a younger tight end going the other way is out of the question, which means I'm probably going to have to pay up for for Kelsey. Um, and just look on keep trade cut today. Interestingly. Kelsey's worth roughly the same as Terry McLaurin. Um, and if if I had Terry McLaurin and I could trade him away straight up for Kelsey, that's a massive smash for me. Uh, but I, I'm not entirely sure that the Kelsey owner is going to do that, not even in Titan Premium. Um, so I think you'll have to add a pick on top, but, and I'd be happy to add anything anything below a mid-second on top, I think is still worth doing in my eyes. I think anything past the mid-second is... I don't really value that highly, so I'm I'm fine to throw on top to get my player. Um, what we've seen this season is Andrews and Kelsey. They're just so far ahead of the rest. Uh, the yeah. difference in having these guys on your roster to not having them is absolutely massive. Just got to look at what they've done this week. The t- two out of the three highest scoring players altogether in, in fantasy football has been Kelsey and Andrews. So it's been it's been unbelievable from them too. Um, and with all the low scoring that's been around this week. Um, if you have either of those two guys and you've got a massive chance of progressing in the, the fantasy playoffs. So just to sum up, I think in this scenario, I'm hundred percent interested in Kelsey. Just, I don't think I'm going as aggressively here as perhaps a contender who's in the playoffs. who's just a player short or maybe just fell short this year. Um, I think I'd offer up at first. I wouldn't go too crazy and I'll probably be outbid in the end. Um, yeah. So maybe to try and get the deal, deal done. I'd turn to a, a, a 
a young player that might interest them if they're rebuilding, like a, um, Terry McLaurin or like a Jalen Waddle. He's someone that's having a great year, but with very little competition. Um, I think that's a good trade for me to trade him away at, at, at high value, perhaps next year if Miami targets some wide receivers in free agency or the draft, then he might not have as good a year as he's having this year. So I think someone like that I'd be interested in trading away. But how about yourself, Kev? How would you approach trying to get Kelsey in this situation? Yeah, I think the main thing you've got to be thinking if you if you are a tight end away from challenging is and you're out of contention this year, for example, is you'll need a tight end at some point. So if you want to get one on the cheap or as cheap as possible and using draft picks, it's best to do it in draft season when you're you're on the clock or very close when the, the rookie picks hype is at its highest. Um but even so if you sort of you think your team's got a lot of potential but not quite there yet you can get a tight end sort of early to mid-season next year it just means the longer you leave it the more expensive it's going to be i think the the good thing you've got with kelsey is that he's what 32 years old so i think the longer you leave it that's working in your favor and keep his price low as well so so yeah there's a few ways you can go about it personally i think uh round the draft time is is ideal um, if you're sending picks. If it's players-wise, any time really. But just just bearing in mind that tight ends or any player into next season, the longer you leave it, the more expensive it's going to be to potentially renew a ship. Yeah, and uh, sorry that just right now probably not the best time to uh, to try and trade for Kelsey with his <laughs> <laughs> amazing week that he had this week. Um, and the COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> certainly with the COVID, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting one heading into the next couple of weeks. But, but yeah, we're going to move on to my my pick, and I'm going to talk about more of a disappointing guy, um, Saquon Barkley uh, of Matt's New York Giants. Um, and I'm <laughs> starting to get just a little bit worried for Saquon Barkley. Is is one of the be- very best running backs I've ever seen. Uh, well, especially when he burst onto the scene, he had that amazing rookie year, RB one catching 91 passes in the process, 15 total touchdowns. Um, I personally asked my girlfriend for a, a Saquon Barkley shirt. She didn't get me one in the end. But um, <laughs> he, he certainly was the guy. Um, he was a generational runner back. I mean, he still is. He's just obviously felt fallen foul of, of injury. Um, but, but yeah, fast forward just three and a half seasons after that, and it's been a bit of a different story. He's now missed 22 games in the past three seasons that torn ACL being the biggest contributor of that. And then just once again this week, he he really didn't look very explosive, grinding out 74 total yards from 15 rushes and, and eight targets. And it was, in fact, he's the, the backup, Devontae Booker, who looked much, much the better running back. Just just eight attempts that took him to amass 74 yards on the ground. Um, just that whole situation in New York is just one big mess. Yeah. Uh, Perhaps that's why Matt's not on this show tonight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's certainly holes everywhere on the roster. There's the big decision to be made at quarterback coming up. Uh, Kenny Lolliday, the big free agent signing, he's been a massive flop. Uh, the, the Giants are going nowhere at the minute. And Saquon, he's just been going nowhere at the minute as well. It seems like he's almost running in sat quicksand. But but yeah, there's big changes coming for this organisation. Um, but then it's not all doom and gloom. He's at least been getting a decent workload since he's been back and 
plenty of targets as well, and, and especially no matter who the quarterback's been, whether it's been Glennon or Daniel Jones. Yeah. He's averaging over over six targets a game since back from his mid-season, mid-season injury, uh, which is the seventh most targets per game for running backs. So it's not too bad in that respect. He's been a handy RB2, but but then where you had to draft him, it's been it's been really rough. And uh, it's just these concerns that I take forward with Saquon. Can he can he now rediscover his rookie season or has all their multiple injuries taken its toll? <clears throat> One thing I do know is though is it's gonna come at a discount next season in startups for that for that riskier owner wanting to take a bit of a bit of a fly. Um I think there's a real possibility in in Superflex that you can you can take you could take Saquon later on in sort of round three and four. You can possibly take your quarterback yeah. and your running back one, and then you could possibly get Saquon as your running back two, which seems ridiculous. But but that's just the, that's what it is nowadays. And he's he's now dropped to RB seven in my mid season rankings. Um, I'm, I am working on my end of season rankings as we near it, and there's a possibility that he drops he drops a further spot. I'm not going to name who's going to who's going to jump him just Ooh. yet. Uh, for my quick. <laughs> I have mentioned him a few times in the last few shows. Oh, but... no. <laughs> <laughs> but my question is, Kev, are you that guy to take the risk on, on Saquon Barkley? Um, have you any concerns that, that Saquon is now washed? Or or would you be interested in buying him much lower this offseason? Yeah, strangely enough, I don't own Saquon in any Dynasty League I'm in. Um, I think I am worried about Saquon right now, but I don't think he's washed. I think it's... I mean, first of all, there's a lot of concerns. You mentioned QB. Um, I'll throw in their O-line. He's mm-hmm. still a concern for... More for Daniel Jones, but I think it all ties in together. If you can't pass, it's putting more men in the box, etc. Um, the identity of the team as well, of the hired Jason Garrett, fired him. Um, I'm not a big Joe Judge fan. I think they need to clean house, to be honest. That would make me a lot more happy about Saquon and the other Giants guys. Um, truthfully, I don't think he's 100% over the foot injury he had in week five. Um, and I am interested in an elite talent at a discount. I think next season, thinking about your startups, there's going to be a lot of hero RB builds, a lot of zero RB builds as well. So there'll be a lot of fading running backs in general because of all the injuries. And that's going to push players down it's going to make players a value so it does all depend where it drops to but keep trade cut he's currently running back 12 around guys like Derek henry jk dobbins uh, and like you mentioned projected to be in sort of round three four of startups current trade value it's it's along the lines of an early 22 first or a first and a second and i'm happy to get involved at both those costs you've got to think uh, saquon's 25 years old he's not taking a beat and he has had a few injuries but this last one the Foot injury, it was a freak injury of a guy. Uh, did he did he get stepped on or something? Or mm. it was something freak, I remember that. But you've got to think Saquon is is one of the few players in the in the NFL that's got that running back over one, running back one overall ceiling in his range of outcomes, similar to CMC. But strangely, CMC is still ranked in the top five. So I just want to know, thinking of those two guys, Saquon and CMC, these injured studs. Is is a Saquon plus a deal that you'd be interested you as a as a CMC owner? Would you be happy to move off CMC to get Saquon and a little bit on top? Yeah, certainly two of the generational talents uh, of the last few years, and uh, just look at the difference between the two. Christian McCaffrey's 
he got given a massive contract in 2020. So you know he's going to stick around for the next few years. They're, they're building around him. He is the he is that offense. It runs through him. Um, Saquon Barkley, they've picked up his fifth year option. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of contract he now gets. Um, we see time and time again these franchises that pay running backs top dollar and and then they just disappoint and uh, I'm just really interested to see what sort of deal that Saquon gets with the with the Giants but the difference between the two I'd probably say is a first round pick um I tweeted out today a little poll um who would you prefer Christian McCaffrey or Barkley and the 2023 first and the 2020 and the Barkley side is winning unanimously um 23 first say (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're like gold dust there but um i forgot to i was going to do one as well with a 2022 first and just see how much the difference was but i think for me it's got to be a first round pick christian mccaffrey is certainly we've we've talked about him in the last few shows and he's he's just very disappointed owners um it is a bit worrying chris mccaffrey owner because the amount of games that he's missed is is rivaling Saquon now. Uh, it's it's getting a bit ridiculous. So yeah, you kind of have to play a bit safe with these two. But I still think that there's a first difference between between these two. You'd have to put a first on top of Saquon to to get me to trade Christian McCaffrey away. Um, I don't think I'd take anything less. How about yourself, Kev? What's what's the difference for you? Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I just. When I think of trades, I think of like second rounders as the the nice, but it's not really getting the the needle moving. Mm-hmm. I think any first, whether it be a yeah. late twenty two, a twenty three, even a twenty four, would would be what I'd need to move off of CMC to Saquon. Especially just personally, I don't think the the gap's that big, but you have to go with the market really. I think, and if there's such a wide gap. Why? Why selling for for cheap as such? You've you've got to be sort of maximizing the value on your roster to um to sort of benefit in dynasty. You can't just I don't know. You can't just give a player at the wrong value unless you're absolutely certain Saquon's going to bounce back and be the man, and CMC's not. And yeah. to to be honest, it is probably if one of them was going to be the running back one again. I'd probably put it seventy five percent CMC, twenty five percent Saquon. So yeah, a first, a first, any first is probably right. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting that the community seems to value CMC still so much more than Saquon straight up. When when really the injuries, obviously they're very different, but they've missed roughly the same amount of games now. It's it's worrying for both, but just Chris McCaffrey still viewed as. He should be the running back one if he starts every game, which is fair enough to say. Um, and, yeah. But but Saquon Barkley is just not quite viewed like that anymore. When uh, I don't know, but but we shall see. Um, it's going to be interesting. And talking about a guy who's certainly risen in value this this season. After your next pick, Kev. Yeah, I'm going to go for another tight end. Um, I thought I'd start with two tight ends as as we're missing Matt this week, and we know that he's a big tight end fan and every league that he plays in is tight end premium when it even when it's not uh so the guy i'm talking about is dalton schultz um another big performance this week on the road at the giants um 20.7 fantasy points tight end four in the week so far obviously we've got those two games tonight but thinking about the bigger picture really impressive season from schultz he's the 
Titan four on the season. It, maybe we should have expected this. So it was tight end 11 last year, and this was without Dak, but also without Blake Jarwin now. I think Jarwin's the reason he was faded this offseason, and I've got to admit, I was guilty thinking Jarwin was the man. He got that four-year deal in 2020, and he looked like the start. But actually, looking a little bit deeper, Jarwin's very overrated. He's had 69 catches in his career. Nice. Um, <laughs> and Schultz had more than that before this season. Um, and he's also clearly dusted him to start this campaign. So, so yeah, Schultz, Schultz is the clear tight end one on the Cowboys. It is slightly lucky that Gallup's missed a lot of time this year and also you've had Cooper missing time but I do think the Dallas passing offense has underperformed as a whole we, we mentioned Dak Prescott um, dropping a tier uh, last week uh, in, in dynasty rankings but all in all for Schultz very strong fantasy performance he's now done tight end one in back-to-back years uh, it was on waivers in many leagues before the season I went pretty big on him on waivers in three different leagues and managed to get him in all three um, and I do think he's got a really nice long-term value in that offense. I've got to say, I am slightly higher than the public. Uh, he's tight in 13 on keep trade cut. And I do think if things do break his way this off-season, he's going to be even higher than that. So um, another scenario I'm going to throw to you, it's the perfect off-season for Schultz. Uh, one of Amari or Gallup leaves Dallas plus Jow and he's cut. Where would Schultz then be in your dynasty rankings, Ellie? Uh, right, so I'm just going to start by drying my tears from you saying that Blake Jarwin's <laughs> getting cut. Uh, I fell for that as well. Um, I'm a big <laughs> Blake Jarwin fan. I've got quite a lot of Blake Jarwin in Dynasty, so um, it's not been not been easy uh, not seeing him very relevant this year. But anyway... I think we um, should blame Linda, you know. I think we should as well. Uh, she, she came on last year and I think Jarwin was a wild card pick and yeah, yep. she got us amped up for him and Unfortunately, he's not not produced, has he? We need Linda back on so we can get her to explain her her <laughs> actions of that show. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's just funny with Dalton Schultz because these guys who get an opportunity maybe because of an injury or whatever, and and they grasp it. I mean, that Titan Eleven finish last year was was great. It's with everything that happened in Dallas with in twenty twenty with that going down to injury, and then we just immediately assume that it's an outlier and they're going to return back to being non-relevant players. And, and it's not happened. I was certainly wrong on Dalton Schultz. He's having a fantastic season, tight end four. Um, and as you mentioned, he certainly had a few things go right, but he's certainly performing like a top pass catch and tight end this year. Um, and it's not always been roses in the Dallas offense. They've, they've been struggling, you know, CD lamb. It's not, not a top wide receiver this year. And Murray Cooper's had his struggles. Uh, but but yeah, in this this scenario that you've given Kev, I think Dalton Schultz has to be at least a top ten dynasty tight end. Probably eight or nine will be in my rankings. Is is in that yeah. tier with Noah Fant and Dallas Goddard for me, um, just below sort of the top two tiers. Uh, he's Dallas is still viewed as a high powered offense. There's always lots of scoring opportunities. He, he's tied to Dak Prescott, a great young tight uh, quarterback. Sorry, uh, but he's just. It's just not it's not quite high enough or it's not going to get quite high enough where I'm going to be wanting to to go out and aggressively try and acquire him in a deal. Uh, yeah. But I do think that he's a safe tight end going forward. He was extremely safe this year, as you mentioned, tight end four. And he, in this scenario, he, he would be a safe tight end and you, someone that you could start each week with confidence. Uh, he's currently my tight end 13. So there's certainly space to move him up 
ahead of guys like Mike Jasicki. I mean, he's above him now anyway, but Mike Jasicki. And <laughs> I even had my future tight end one of Smith ahead of him. So Ooh. he would certainly move ahead of him in this scenario. Uh, so, yeah, a question back to you, Kev. In this scenario that you've given, are you happy to with Schultz as your tight end one in Dynasty moving forward? Or would you then try and use him to, to move upwards in your rankings? Yeah, it's a really good question, Elliot. Um, I can see the, the argument for both sides about that, yeah, potentially he, he is that guy, back-to-back uh, -back tight end one seasons. He's tight end four currently. Um, it, why, why shouldn't it be in consideration with those sort of lower elite guys like your, your Wallace, your Hawkinsons? Um, is there a lot of difference in them, especially if he's getting getting rid of a big wide receiver in Gallup or Cooper and hopefully Dak bounces back so you can see the potential that way. But I think you mentioned two really interesting names, Noah Fant and Dallas Goddard. And I, I tend to stick him in that range as well, to be honest. I think both those guys, Fant and Goddard, there's, there's often quite a bit of buzz about them that they're going to make that jump, they're going to make that leap. Things are going to go in their favour. One's going to get Aaron Rodgers. One's going to uh, be the main man now. Zach Ertz has gone, and I just can't see it. To be honest, there's only so many players where you can call elite tight ends, league winning tight ends. Um, so yeah, I'd stick Schultz in in that bracket with 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 Fant and Goddard, even if everything does go his way. I can see him potentially. If that does happen, I can see him vaulting up into tight end seven range. And to be honest, that's the start of a tier for me. And just one thing to bear in mind is if you've got a tier of five guys, you don't really want to be going after the the one that's right at the top of the tier unless it's a guy in a tier of his own. So, yeah, if it gets to the point where Schultz is tight end seven and my tier ends at tight end 10 or tight end 12, I'll probably go for guy at tight end 12. So... So, yeah, it should, it should move up. I think it will move up, but not someone I'd be interested in. Probably because I've got quite a bit of them as well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple of questions then. Um, it, in this scenario, do you think there'd be much of a difference in value between him and, say, Darren Waller and TJ Hawkinson? I, because... I st yeah, I still think there would be, you know, because yeah. Hawkinson... It, he still gets a hype for being the, the the tight end one in that class um, for having that potential. He had a really good season last season. Um, Darren Waller, he is getting hammered a bit, to be honest, at the moment. But we know when he's fit and healthy, he is he is the man. He's it, it, to be honest, it, it was him or Kittle as tight end two for me before the season. I think a few injuries and a, a, an offense that's changed quite a lot with coach and losing players, etc. It's 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 hard just to to rule him out after after half a bad season with, through injury. So yeah, I think there's still a big gap between the perception of Waller and Schultz. And then the other one. Um, so if you were happy to, or if you're making the decision whether you were happy to keep Dalton Schultz as your tight end one, or try and move up to a a Waller or a Hawkinson. Would it help if you had Dak as your quarterback to have that stack? Um, I mentioned it a bit when we were talking about Dawson Knox. I said, yeah. I'd try and move up unless I had Josh Allen as my quarterback to have that stack. Do you? Does that make any difference to you when think, building your sort of roster? Yeah, it's... I think I do. I'm a big fan of stacking. 
I think it's it's definitely something that gives you an advantage, especially when it hits. Um, but I think the thing you've got to be careful with is stacking with like the third, fourth, fifth option in the offense. Yeah. It, it's it's a lot more volatile and it's not always correlated where that could go off and have a forty point game and Schultz might have five points, which you're not really getting that that benefit. So it, it would do in certain scenarios, but not with Dak and Schultz in, in my opinion. Yeah. It's not exactly Kelsey Mahomes stack, is it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not Lamar and Mark Andrews. <laughs> it's not. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on those two. <laughs> my favourite stack in Dynasty. <laughs> it's not Tyler Huntley, is it? <laughs> oh, Jesus, no. Unreal. Um, I, I, made an a, argument. I made a tweet, uh, tongue-in-cheek, at the weekend about Lamar Jackson being a system QB with what Tyler Huntley was doing. And, yeah, it didn't go, it didn't go down too well. But I think... <laughs> just got to be open and honest that most QBs are system QBs. The system is built around them to make them perform as well as they can. So, yeah, it wasn't hating on Lamar. It was just more about that scheme's perfect for that type of QB. And Tyler Huntley showed that. That's, yeah, I saw one one guy tweet out, tongue-in-cheek, that they should put Lamar Jackson on the trade block and uh, <laughs> keep Tyler Huntley, which enraged a lot of Ravens fans, which was quite funny. Um, but yeah, we're going to move on to my next guy and someone that's going to be on my, my trade block, certainly, Ooh. in the next few weeks. It's Amron Ra St. Brown of the, of the Detroit Lions, who, who had a massive win this week. Uh, but yeah, just <laughs> it was a massive shock. And with lots of extremely disappointing performances this week, just thinking of Tom Brady, Alvin Kamara, uh, Amari Cooper, Jamar Chase, etc. I just want to mention a guy who's been absolutely balling out under the radar uh, the last three weeks. Superstar, Eamon Ra St. Brown. Um, <laughs> but like amazing, th- 35 targets over the past three weeks and over 11 in each game. So it's not been a, a one-week wonder. Um, it's only been Chris Godwin, God rest his soul. Only Chris Godwin has seen more targets over that span with 39 and He's as solid as a wide receiver one as you're going to get heading deep into the the fantasy playoffs. He's those clearly benefited from the loss of DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson to injury. Um, and then the Lions generally being so bad that they nearly always play from behind, except when they play Arizona. Uh, but it's it's certainly been an impressive few weeks from the rookie. Can't take it away from him. He was taken in the fourth round at pick 112. He... He first struggled for immediate impact early on in the season. Uh, just going back to his draft pick, Lance Erline, he, he graded the pick a 6.2. Said this about St. Brown. He's, he's a good backup who could eventually become a starter. There's nothing dazzling about his athletic profile. I can't see him getting enough separation at the pro level, but he's a solid football player. And to be honest, I think that was the general consensus. Yeah, on. yeah I think it's pretty spot on for St. Brown. Um, and I don't think he would be a top contributor with without being the only pretty much the only viable target outside of Josh Reynolds for the for the Lions. And it's for this exact reason that I think he's a tremendous sell right now in, in Dynasty. If you've not got a trade Great. deadline, uh the Lions are in the middle of a massive rebuild still. They've still got a long way to go. Uh, I imagine that they build around a new quarterback. Um they've already got an established top runner back in Swift and top tight end in Hawkinson. Um I just cannot see St. Brown being another centerpiece in, in in that bracket and someone that they're going to build around. So I try and cash in now if I could. I feel like his value's peaking right now. 
Um, yeah. In a trade, I'd happily take a veteran off your hands, someone like Adam Thielen, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, etc., and just get a couple of good years out of them rather than holding a, a bench piece, piece like St. Brown. And and then with the Falcons and Seahawks, the next two teams up against the Lions, I think it's going to help to continue to build up his trade value. So I think really the time the time is now or in the next couple of weeks to trade him. Don't Certainly don't wait until the Lions go out and draft a stud wide receiver or, or make a move at wide receiver in free agency because he'll just end up with very little value for um, where, and then you'll just have to hold on to him. Uh, so my question to you, Kev, is after St. Brown's impressive end to the season, do you think he's got a shot at being the Lions wide receiver one next season or do you think they'll end up drafting or, or signing someone in free agency? Yeah, I can't see him being wide receiver one. I think top three on the Lions at wide receiver, yes. Top two, probably. Um, but yeah, like, like you mentioned with Lancia Line, um, he's an ideal slot guy. He's not fast at all. He's got a decent short short area burst uh, and he actually fits really well with jared goff who i think is gonna have a great chance to be the qb next season for the lions um i think they're building the right way and i think the, the show's be a pretty smart organization taking the the, the tackle this off season and mm-hmm. um i'd imagine they're gonna take one of the the pass rushers uh in next year's draft thinking this far out so i think you'll be the last spot they address uh, in the in the following class, because this class isn't the best for QB. You'd hate to be needing a QB like the Eagles. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned Hawkinson and Swift. Uh, they're, they're obviously missing. That's that's meaning that uh, ASP's getting a chance to ball out. It's a lot of competition when they, all of these are healthy. Um, day three wide receiver. That's not ideal. Off the top of my head, I can't think of a day three wide receiver that's run a four six six that that hit. Uh, and this sort of small sample um, spike, it, it, it got me laughing actually thinking about um, remembering Travis Fulgham last season. Uh, they're not exactly <laughs> the same style of player, but yeah, just maybe think that yeah, small sample and try and get out while you can. Um, the public uh, keeps trade cut the rankings there. Wide receiver 37, which is an early wow. to mid-second. He's above guys like Lockett, um, above the next guy I'm going to speak about, and above Juju. And at that cost, I'm agreeing with 100% firm sell of ASB. So um, and another guy that's sort of going around, or was going around in rookie drafts was Kadarius Tony. Uh, so if you could sort of weigh up those two, Tony versus ASB, who would you be taking out of those two now? Oh, great question. ASB or Katerius Phony? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one, and I've gone back and forth on this one, but I'd still I still plump with the talent of Kadarius Tony as opposed to the situation that ASB finds himself in in Detroit. I think his ASB is going to be very valuable right now, so that's why we're saying to trade him. I, I cannot believe... He's got wide receiver 37 value. Um, I could prob I could probably name 25 receivers I'd rather have who are going below him at that that value. So um Kadarius Tony would be one of them. Yeah. Um he certainly flashed, I think it was the game against the the Cowboys, was it? Um he it had was, a big yeah. he had a big game. He looked really impressive and everyone was just talking about him. He was getting loads of hype. It's not happened for various reasons, injuries. Um 
but just I'd go I'd go for the talent, especially at wide receiver. They sometimes take a year or two to 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 finally sort of land on their feet in the NFL. So even though it's a bit of a a bit of a situation going on in in New York, I'd still go for the the talent of Tony over the situation. Um, how about you, Kev? Are you Kadarius Tony or are you leaning ASB? I just think follow the draft capital first of all. That Tony got that. Mm-hmm. round one draft capital that's a major major positive in his his sense um will, will the giants add more wide receiver talent i'm not too sure because they've got Golladay that's tied down they've got shepherd who's decent so i can't see increased competition if anything maybe less competition if engram goes if um it, i don't know that offense it's likely going to be better you'd think maybe a new qb I don't know. It's just a mess is the Giants, but I'd still take it over a guy that runs a 4-6-6 and basically he's, he's doing all his heavy lifting without nobody else around him. Yeah. And that, as you mentioned, the first round draft capital that Kadarius Tony got was shocking at the time. I know our Matt was really pleased that they took him. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think you've got to go with the with the talent and the draft capital just just right now in the rookie rookie season. So we'll move on to someone who's certainly not in their rookie season, a a veteran, um, but someone that's always underrated. Who do you want to talk about, Kev? Yeah, I like that. I like that little segue you did then. Um, <laughs> it, it is a guy that's actually going uh, after or ranked lower than I'm on our Saint Brown in the rankings, and that's Brandon Cooks, one of my favorite NFL players uh, another huge week 29.2 fancy points including two touchdowns and he's on course for another huge season it's currently the wide receiver 13 overall and it's actually his sixth top 16 wide receiver year if he carries on at this pace um, he's only been outside the top 16 uh, as a rookie and also a year I believe it was with the Rams when he got a, a concussion injury and that kept him out for a lot of the year um, he's always been overlooked um Basically, people have said that he's had amazing QBs that's sort of pushed up his value. Um, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Jared Goff, lol, Deshaun Watson. (laughs) Um, Now he's got the delightful combo of Davis Mills and Ty God. So um, I know we had the Cousins car debate a couple of weeks ago about um, underrated. I think I might reconsider my selection of cousins after after last night but <laughs> i think yeah cooks the most underrated wide receiver in dynasty for me looking back to august dlf um adp was wide receiver 48 and he's still on the wide receiver 38 now at the keep trade cut it's it's higher than the off season but it still feels criminally low in my eyes um you mentioned that that nice segue is heading into his age 29 season um next year uh, and you're going to get a discount as most dynasty players are ageists. It's extremely likely there's a new QB in town, whether that be a high rookie pick, um, somebody in the Watson QB trade swap, or even a free agent. Either way, I'm not too fussed. I firmly believe that Cooks is QB proof. Um, looking at the season, he had a tricky schedule. The, the QB play has been all over the place and there's been no support. He's been the main man and he's produced. So I just think, why does he have 13? It just doesn't get enough credit in my opinion so taking into account his age and production what range of wide receivers do you think cooks will be going in down startups this off season 
Yeah, you mentioned we had a, a really good debate about the most underrated quarterback. There's certainly a few names all worthy of that title, but as you mentioned, the the most under underrated wide receiver. I don't think there's there's met really many that fit the criteria better the, than Brandon Cooks. I mean, all Brandon Cooks does is finish between wide receiver nine and wide receiver sixteen every every single season. As you mentioned, only twice in seven seasons has he not finished as a fringe wide receiver one or a high wide receiver two. Um, so I've always been happy to roster Cooks. Uh, he's forever been a value in drafts, whether that be because of his concussion history that everybody gets scared of, or just the fact that he's ready on his fourth team in in seven years. Um, but no, no doubt in my mind, it's going to be another draft steal come next season. Uh, you, you can take your stud wide receivers, and then you get to the middle rounds, and he's you're picking best player available, and and there he is, Brandon Cooks. He's always staring you in in the eyes, and it just. It, it feels fantastic just to take him with such a safe pair of hands. Um, and so for 2022 startups, I've been thinking about where he is with the rookies being added in uh, the, with the off-season moves. I think he's going to go wide receiver 45. I think he's going to be in that sort of wow. region. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. I think he's going to be with the likes of Adam Thielen. Um, again, People that are going to beat their ADP, I've got no doubt. Uh, Odell Beckham, I think he's going to be in this area. Kenny Golladay. I think there's going to be some big, certainly some big names in this in this area. Um, they're going to be ones for people wanting to take a riskier pick. But then again, they're going to be in, in an area where you're going to take him as your wide receiver three, four, five, depending on how your draft goes. And yeah. I just think at that, at that stage, it's, it's going to be a... It's gonna, it's not going to be too risky in the end. Um, I think they're all getting up there in age, uh, but they've all got the ability to absolutely smash their ADP, including Brandon Cooks, like every single season. So, is is Brandon Cooks someone that you're happy to take in startups, Kev? And are you happy to roster a few veterans, or do you like to target the the younger guys who can increase their value over time, as opposed to Cooks, who's only going to get less value over time? Yeah, I do have quite a bit of exposure to Cooks already in Dynasty, but I'd be happy to keep taking them. I think a lot about having a lot of shares in players, it depends on the value really. And if you're taking him at a cheap value or what you perceive cheap, I don't see the problem in having a higher percentage than than normal. I think if you're spending lots and lots of first rounders uh, on Having all having Jonathan Taylor in every league, that's going to be a lot different because if he goes down, you, you're done. If, mm-hmm. if Brandon Cooks goes down, obviously it would be a loss. But as your wide receiver, for you can find that production elsewhere. So I'm I'm still on Cooks um, in stabs next season. Twenty nine doesn't scare me either. Uh, in terms of philosophy, I I do tend to go veteran wide receivers. Um, historically, I've not been very good at. Um, sort of scouting rookie wide receivers, get off the terrace springs to mind. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I do, I do tend to favour veterans just because my philosophy is thinking about uh, two-year windows, and rather than sort of guess if somebody's going to be a hit st- straight away as a rookie or in his sophomore season, I, I just put that safety of veteran wide receiver and the fact that wide receiver. You can usually trade for it. Or you can usually find guys on waves as well. So, yeah, I, I'm. It's probably the the position I worry about the least. But yeah, I do want that that production um, to give me a chance. I don't want to really start my dynasty leagues playing for year two, year three, year four, because you you kind of 
kind of punting it really yeah 100 and what about you when you're doing your startups are you a guy that's trying to win straight away or you do the the old productive struggle where you you trade back and you you sell all your picks uh, you get more picks sorry and sell all your players uh, what was your strategy uh i think it's difficult I, d- I used to be a guy that just wanted to to roster a really sexy roster of all these young <laughs> young studs but you, you get to playoff time if you scrape into the playoffs you have a few injuries you're replacing your studs with with rookies and it, it ends up not being going very well but it, if you've got players like Brandon Cooks that you take in the middle middle to late rounds, someone that you can either flex or you don't even have to start him. And if you get injuries, it's the perfect replacement. So I love to, to have guys like that. I don't care what my roster looks like nowadays. Um, I'm always trying to trade back and gain value wherever I can. Um, so yeah, I've got I've got plenty of Brandon Cooks in in Dynasty. Um, I'm not afraid to roster guys like this. It, it's not like the running back position where everybody thinks they get to age 26, they're going to fall off a cliff. You know, wide receivers are being paid a lot later on in their career. They they seem to be playing later. Um, so I'm not yeah. afraid. Like I've got quite a lot of Cole Beasley in Dynasty. People that are just Ooh, giving... Beasley! They get, <laughs> uh, they're giving you production, you know, well into their 30s. And, I'm you know, I'm just loving the, the value that you can get. You... They seem to be the guys that just get thrown into trades that I'm just happy to to pick up and just just play and yeah, uh, honestly I, I don't care about my roster anymore. Um, I think it's with age. I used to want to have a good looking roster when I was a bit younger, but <laughs> as I've got older, it's, it's all about the winning. It's all about the winning. <laughs> yeah, you, you made you made a great point about Cole Beasley, and it brings us nicely on to the next guy as well, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, so we're going to go for his teammate for Buffalo, Gabriel Davis. Um, and the Gabe Davis truth is that they're making a bit more noise again this this time of year. It seems yeah. about feels about right. It has a bit of a similar feel to last season where he ended with a bit of a flurry. He had a few flashy plays with when the Bills were looking unstoppable at one point. Um, just unfortunately for him that he, he wasn't able to kick on at the beginning of the season. Three out of his first four games, he just saw one single target. So it's been been pretty horrendous the start of the season. The the signing of Emmanuel Sanders to add to the Arsenal weapons that includes Diggs and, and Beasley, as I mentioned, certainly didn't help his year two growth. And then adding to that, the emergence of tight end Dawson Knox, just out of nowhere, a bit like Randy Orton delivering an RKO to Gabe Davis. <laughs> <laughs> completely out of nowhere. Um, his t- I think he's scored eight eight receiving touchdowns so it's been a strange one for me of I've, I've always personally been impressed with with Gabriel Davis when when given the chance and that chance he's he seems to be fully taken right now um Manuel Sanders went down in week 14 and missed this past week as well and then Cole Beasley himself has been struggling with injury but he's been he's been playing through at sort of 60 70 percent healthy and between weeks 10 and 13 he only saw 15 total targets so it's a a huge downtick on his season average of just under nine a game. So there's been an opening for Davis. And then when you dig deeper into his stats, he's been he's been really quite good. So courtesy of player profile, is 16 yards per reception, ranks 13th in the NFL. His target separation is 2.03, which is 10th in the NFL. And his quarterback rating when targeted is 128.7, which is 7th in the NFL. So really quite impressive. His, I saw that tweet his, as well. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say I'm going to save that for later. He's <laughs> he's he's seen his snap percentage at a disappointing average of 30, just thirty six point eight percent for the first thirteen weeks of the season. Didn't really know what was happening, and the last two weeks he's been up to eighty six point five. So he's certainly going in the right direction. He's caught four touchdowns in his past three games. He's and he's being hyper targeted in the in the red zone crucially. Um, so just looking forward, I I do think he's got a chance to kick it on now and into next season. You've got Cole Beasley, who's going to be 33 next year on on his final year of his contract, and he's got very little dead cap hit. And then you've got the 34-year-old Manuel Sanders. He's only on a one-year deal, um, and it's not really worked out for Sanders. His, his production's not been great, and I'm not sure they're going to try and re-sign him. So Gabriel Davis, at just 22 years old, came into the league young. I think is, there is a chance for Davis to have or sorry to see his value being much more valuable this this time next season than it is right now. Yeah. So, is Gabriel Davis someone you're interested in trading for, Kev, or or do you not see him ever being fantasy relevant relevant enough on the Bills? I think first of all, it, it, the the hype battle on Twitter seems to be between Gabe Davis and Brian Edwards. Truthers, <laughs> um, I don't know which which those groups are more annoying. Um, <laughs> I think Gabe Davis is a really intriguing player. He's a polarising guy. He's tied to Josh Allen, which is great. He's also stepped up when he is used. But I do think that usage is concerning, the fact that targets are earned. Um, mentioned Sanders and Cole Beasley. Uh, they're older guys. You'd, you'd expect him to sort of, with Davis being a young guy, I'd have expected him to build on last year, which, which he hasn't he. He had 62 targets last year. He's only had 46 this year so far. Um, draft capital, round four, day three guy. It, it's not a, a great sign. There's not many players that hit as day three guys or hit at a level that would get you super excited. Um, Knox and Gabe Davis, they're both low-volume touchdown guys in my eyes. I think it's one or the other that you tend to like. It'd be pointless liking both of them. Just pick a side. Um, but yeah, I'm not a big wide receiver trader. I think it's more likely getting Davis in a package, although I think the late second round cost is interesting, but I do think he is a better real-life player than Dynasty, so I'd probably just end up going for cheaper guys with better draft capital, players like Nico Collins or Josh Palmer. Um, do any of those guys uh, interest you? Uh, yeah, to be honest sort of interested in both of those guys. Nico Collins with the the situation, you've got to believe that there's going to be a better quarterback come comes in and if if he shows anything and he becomes a, a full-time starter, I know not this week, the week before he had 10 targets against the Seahawks. Yeah. Looked quite looked really impressive in a couple of videos that I watched. But then you got Josh Palmer for the Chargers again tied to Justin Herbert, my favorite quarterback. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm definitely interested in these sort of guys i'd like to take a risk on these sort of young rookies young guys that just have a chance to if they get given bigger opportunity and i can see a pathway to it then their value is going to be much higher sort of in in a season's time and then you can you can look to flip them on or whatever but but certainly um i like to have a to take a shot on these guys um gabriel davis being one of them i've got I've got a few shares of him. Um, I've also got a few shares of Brian Edwards, although I'll, I keep quiet about that one. <laughs> I certainly know uh, the Brian Edwards truthers are 
they're pretty annoying. So I, I can't, I really, I'm not looking forward to yeah. him showing anything if he, if he ever does. Um, but what about you, Kev? Nico Collins, Josh Palmer, any interest in those sort of guys um, to trade for? Yeah, I've liked Nico Collins uh, since since sort of um, draft season last year. Got him in a few spots. Uh, I actually like Josh Palmer as well. To be honest, I've come uh, I've come sort of full circle on Josh Palmer. I do need to apologise to him actually because um, <laughs> I faded him pretty badly. I thought that his production was really poor, but when I dug a bit deeper and realised that that offence at Tennessee was was terrible. Um, it, it it gave me a bit more hope, and then you've seen Mike Williams doing Mike Williams things mm. in the past month or so. It, it's looking pretty likely that he's going to have a significant role next season. Is Josh Palmer, and you got to think tied to Justin Herbert as well, who's maybe surprising, maybe not. He's now the QB one on keep trade cut, so I'm sure that's that's down to your work, Ali. I did try and tell everybody to. To get on board Justin Herbert, yeah, and it, it's certainly my burner account that's putting all them votes in, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with that bit of excitement, that does bring us to the end of the show, um, where we've discussed some of the key key players and talking points from this week's action, while analysing them from a dynasty perspective. So, is there any final thoughts on today's show, Kev? Yeah, I mean, obviously, first of all, injuries and COVID are really <laughs> taking the biscuit now. It's either harming your scores this week or scuppering your chances in the next fortnight. But just remember, there's so much luck involved this time of year to clinch those titles. It's not always the best teams that win championships. Um, I've seen many people dejected about teams losing, and I agree it has been pure carnage, especially this week, one of the wildest weeks I've ever seen. But we know that this game can be extremely random and teams with the most depth have got the best shot. So I think sometimes it can't be avoided, but other times you just got to say your team didn't have the most depth and that's why it's not going to win a ship. But the flip side is with all the injuries, the COVID, etc., that there's that growing ambition of mine to take up more dynasty best ball in the off season. It's going to reduce the injury pain that you suffer and ensure there's less hassle with lineups, subs, etc. And us at Fantasy Wildcard will be definitely running some Dynasty Best Ball leagues this off-season, so keep your eyes peeled for them. Plus, we will also be doing other Dynasty leagues as well, so um, hope you'll come along for the ride and look to take us down. Um, and then finally, just semi-finals week coming up for most, so hope you do a thrill and get lucky. Cheers. <laughs> oh, no, I've got that song stuck in my head now. Now you've just said that. <laughs> But yeah, it's, uh, just for me, it's been one of the most frustrating playoff weeks that I can I can remember. It's it's ruined ruined the experience for me somewhat. Uh, just not just with the players that it's taken out, but just the postponing of games. It's a long week. the The teams playing with depleted rosters is it's making for some sloppy sort of preseason like games, and it's just not that entertaining. And it's certainly a nightmare for fantasy owners. Um, I closed last week's show with wishing people the best of luck because. This year's playoffs are going to be certainly more of a lottery than ever before. Um, and it's just been exactly that. Just the fact that players who have helped you get to the playoffs can any minute find themselves on the COVID reserve list like Tariq Hill. And it's just a question of are they vaccinated? Are they not? How much time are they going to miss? And it just it just sucks to the fact that they got you to the playoffs and then yeah. uh, you can't play them. And it just it takes away that that special feel for, for getting to the playoffs. And, and then just finally, I've done it. Uh, publicly on Twitter, but I just want to 
issue my apologies to our friend Tom. <laughs> um, my, my name on this show is my, Mark Andrews Titan One. He's he's uh, I'll just have to hold my hands up. I was I've been wrong about him. I'm coming out and saying that I'm wrong. Uh, he's just been so good this year, and just watching him this past week has been unbelievable. So I'm certainly going to be revisiting my rankings, and he just needs to be a lot higher for sure. So. I'll try and put that right, Tom. Don't worry. Uh, he's, and as, as well, he's, to make it worse, he's, he's kicked my ass in a couple of play, playoff matches <laughs> as, as Andrews. It just serves me right for just thinking that he was a, a catfish all this time. So, yeah, I'm just taking an L on him. But I just hope that you listeners, you didn't take an L this week and you're, you're cruising through to the, the fantasy championship games. So, so with that, thank you for tuning in. And be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Wildcard. And join us on our next show, which will drop on Tuesday, the 28th of December, where we're going to be recapping all the key talking points from week 16. So thank you once again. Have a good one. Merry Christmas to everybody. And we'll see you soon. Ho, ho, ho. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.